I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. You know where the book of Acts is? Anybody know anything about the book of Acts? Dad always told people they didn't know where to start to read in the Bible that they need to open up to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the beginning of the New Testament church. All Scripture is given for inspiration. Every Scripture in the Word of God is, is put in there for a reason and very meaningful. Some Scriptures are very, very iconic Scriptures. For instance, Acts 2.38, Matthew 28.19, Galatians 1 and 8, Acts 1 and 8. So many scriptures throughout the scripture. Genesis one. It's very. There's all. All scripture is powerful, but there are some that is that is very, very uh, meaningful and poignant. And this scripture here is is uh, in that arena. Acts twenty and thirty five. Acts twenty and thirty five. find it, say amen. I have shown you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, and how to, re- how to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul was reiterating something. Jesus had already said it once. Paul said, We've got to remember uh, how to support the weak. Remember the words of Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I'm very apprehensive about me being the pastor. I don't like talking about giving because there's such a stigma uh, about preachers, ministers, TV evangelists that only talk about giving. Now, you could turn on certain networks on television if you watch any of that. I don't care much to watch much. But you could turn that TV on any given moment, the TV in, and chances are they're talking about giving. Some of them, they, those preachers, they live pretty extravagant lifestyles. Now, and that's one reason that I, I, I'm apprehensive about talking about giving but I'm just going to tell you tonight, I'm not just talking about giving your dollars or, or out of your bank account. I'm talking about, well, we're going to talk about just simply giving. All right? And I want to talk about the blessings of giving. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Early this morning when I was thinking about, when I say early, I mean about four o'clock this morning, I was up thinking about what I was going to talk about tonight, and I was thinking about how I should start this. Of course, I have notes, but the Lord began to talk to me about uh, about something, brought, brought a couple of things back to my memory that I had mentioned a couple weeks ago, and uh, most of y'all remember my, my favorite scripture in all the Bible. I'm going to put somebody on the spot. Can somebody tell me? My favorite scripture. 
I quote it more than anything. Brother Brad said it. That the Lamb was slain even before the foundation of the world. Have you ever thought about that? Really, really thought about that. The Bible says that the earth was without form and void. I don't know how long that uh, the earth was there before it was before uh, he, he had spoken anything into existence. But I do know that before he hung the sun, moon and stars, before the foundation of the world was set, the Bible says that the lamb was slain. Now, it boggles my mind, and I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I fully understand it, because I don't think any man, anybody can fully understand it. But here's the thing, that God, He's, he's, he's the beginning, the Bible says, He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. When he meant, what He meant by that, He's our beginning when time began, but even before time began, He's always been. Before God made man, you know how long he was alone? Forever. And it boggles my mind that there was no beginning with God. He's always been. Nobody created God. He was God all by himself. He doesn't need any help being God. The scripture that says that he, that before the foundation of the world, that the lamb was slain, before he pauses and he he, uh, before he makes the world, before he hung the sun, moon, and stars on nothing, he pauses. And the pro- his priority is because he was able to look into the future and know that you and I needed. And you and I needed forgiveness. And you and I needed healing. You and I needed deliverance. He said, you know what? I'm going to take my people our priority. And so him being able to step into the oracles of history, oracles of time, he the lamb was slain. He, he did it. And then he steps back in history and says, you know what? By the time they need my healing, by the time they need my grace and mercy, it'll be waiting on them. That boggles my mind. That 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 lets me know how much he loves us. And so you're thinking, well, what's that got to do with me giving? I'll tell you what it's got to do with us giving. He set the example. Even God didn't go around the law of harvest. The law of the harvest is that you reap what you sow. And so God wanted love. So he steps into the future and he gave a presentation of a lamb slain on Calvary's hill. And that's his first priority. And so he, he, he presents love before he, he designed anything else. So at the very, even before the beginning of time, we see a God that gives and set the example. And he is going to benefit from that harvest for the rest of, for the rest of eternity simply because He invested. And so tonight I want to tell you this, that God gave to you before you ever needed anything. He set the example of giving. And and I I truly believe that 
that we if, if we want to have a revival church, then we can't go around the law of the harvest. There is got to be a time where we give. Now, I'm going to be a little bit carnal here and tell you, and you've heard me rant, and I'm sorry about ranting, but we're in a world with an economy that is absolutely shattered and broken. And the reason why it's shattered and broken, I understand that we have leadership that's most of the time incapable of, of, of leading. We've got leadership that, that have cheated on taxes. We've got leadership that have broke laws. And, and, and But I, I'm not talking about that right now. That's, some, that's for another sermon. But I'm going to tell you why that our world is the economic uh, shape that it's in simply because there are too many people that aren't willing to give. That they're taken out of a system that they, that they have failed to, to give. And I, I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or any, if, if you have family that, that does this, but there are people in our world that live their whole life that's capable of working. And they live and they've made their, their whole living on welfare. And unfortunately, if there's only so much money in the bucket and people just keep taking and not putting back, then we're going to end up broke, right? Common sense. And so it goes against the very law of the harvest. People are reaping benefits that they never put into. Right? And so I'm not against that. Welfare is a great thing. Uh, it was designed to help people that were that weren't able to work, people that are out of work, people that lost jobs. I'm not against that. I think it's a wonderful thing. But if if a person is capable, I think they should work. I think they should add. It's not fair for every everybody else to to, to double up on their taxes so somebody else can take out of something and and and, and never add to it. And so I'm, I'm going to get off of that, and I feel really uncomfortable right now. But that's the way it is in the church, in, in our church world. There are people that want blessings in the church. They want blessings in God, but they're not willing to put in time of prayer and giving. I mean, we, we, our forefathers, our grandmas and grandpas that had apostolic revival, that had amazing church services, that had eight and nine, ten, eleven week revivals. We did that back in the day uh, with Robert Bear uh, and, and, and uh, other evangelists. And I'm sure you all did, too. I heard I heard uh, you all were in, in service years ago, eight, nine weeks. You all remember those days. But those those days and powerful services simply didn't come because somebody got up and mistakenly and accidentally had church. Somebody uh, spent some time investing and giving into the church, whether it be uh, uh, times of fasting or times of prayer, or times of worship, times of praise. And then those things happened. They didn't accidentally have revival. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. In this last state, we're not going to accidentally have a latter-day revival. 
We're, if we're going to have a revival, it's going to be because that the church has paid a price to have revival. Me and Brother Davis, we talked about that the other day. There has got to be a time of giving. If you want the, uh, if you want to, uh, the harvest, you've got to plant. You've got to work. And, uh, we've, I made a statement a few weeks ago that we have done ourselves, pastors and preachers have done ourselves an injustice because we've misrepresented the altar. We've misrepresented the altar. And the altar, many times we'll ask for people to come to the altar, and, and people's got the mentality, well, I don't need anything. I don't need, I, I, you know, I, I haven't done anything wrong today, so I don't need to go to the altar. Or some people think, well, I'm not going to the altar because I don't, I don't want people thinking I need something. And so there's a few reasons why people don't go to the altar, but most of the time, People don't go to the altar because they think, well, I, I really don't need anything. I'll let somebody else go to the altar and I'll go pray for them. But guess what? The altar was never designed or built for you or me to get anything. The altar was always designed and built for us to give to Jesus. And so what we've got to do is create an environment of giving. Not getting. Not getting. So when we come to church, we don't come with the motive. Hear me. I, I, I hope I don't hurt anybody's feelings tonight. When, when we come to church, we should not come with the mentality, man, I have a, I've had a long week. I just need to, I need to get a blessing. I need to get a blessing. I need this. I need that. I need this. I need that. Hear me. The sanctuary and the altar was always built for the people to come in and give to God. What's the scripture say? If we lift him up, he'll lift us up. If we exalt the name of Jesus, he will lift us up. If we praise his name, he comes to us. And But we've got too many people that's got the mentality, I, I need to get, I need, I need, I need, I need. Well, when are we going to give to God? I'm going to tell you, I've said it a thousand times. And, and sometimes I wonder if I really meant it because I've said it for so long. But uh, if God doesn't do anything else for me for the rest of my life, I owe him everything. Because he shed, the Bible says, he gave his only begotten son. That didn't mean that God was here and he had a, he had a, a son over here and he gave his, his only son. It, what it meant was he gave all he had. He didn't give out in the, of abundance that, that he had extra. He gave everything. Every drop of blood that he shed on Calvary was for us. So if he never gives you another dime, he still deserves the praise. You know what? There's only one re- there's only one reason for uh, 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 let me find there's only one uh, reason we need for us to praise God. You know what that reason is? The Bible says that the Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice. And so I don't need any other reason tonight to rejoice and give Jesus praise, knowing that God is in charge. Knowing that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, that is the reason why I praise God. 
And so my motive when I come to church, my mindset should not be to come to church to get anything. I should say, you know what? I'm going to go plant something. I'm going to go give something. I, I, I want to bless somebody. And you know what? You may come tonight and you may only have two mites in your pocket. Just like the old, the old lady that came in when those men came through the line and they was dropping all their gold and their silver and all their stuff and they was clinging at the bottom of that metal plate and you could hear all that gold. They could tell the, decipher the difference in the sound of different metals and everybody knew that they were given all kinds of stuff and they made sure good and well that they were throwing uh, as much money as in there. All they wanted was people to look at them and give them accolades. And here this one lady came and she gave her two mites, which was the least uh, by law that she could even give. You, you, you gave either two mites or you couldn't give anything. And that's the least she had. But Jesus said she gave more than everybody else. Why? Because all these other people People gave out of an abundance, but she gave everything she had. But she came to church with the mentality to give and not get. And she was remembered for the rest of history. Jesus, being the author and the finisher, took the time and said, you know what? This is worthy to write about. A woman, think about it, a woman worthy to give two mites. He, she gave two mites and was written about for eternity. It wasn't the two mites that got her famous or popular. It was simply her attitude. Jesus said, you know what? These are the people that will make an impact on this world. That says, you know what? I don't have a lot to give, but I'm going to give what I've got. And so when we come to church, I didn't really come to preach tonight, but I preach, feel a preaching spirit. When we come to church, we shouldn't go, what can I take from this situation? What we ought to do and ha- have an attitude, what can I give to this situation? You know what? I believe, I'll I, I tell you what happens. Simply because you can't, you can't reap from a harvest that you didn't sow into. And I think that's why so many people are frustrated even when they come to church. Oh, I, I, I feel like I'm going to hit a, a devil right between the eyes. I think a lot of people, when they come to church and they're still frustrated, simply because they come to get and there's nothing left for them to get, simply because they didn't put in. I, I know I'm preaching right. I, I, I'm getting, I'm getting understanding. I, I, right, right here, this is rare, and I think that's why people live in frust- frustrated because they simply they've out, they've overdrawn. They have nothing left to draw out of because they don't spend the time to give. And and, and I'm not just talking about money. I, the more money you give doesn't make my salary go up or nothing. It, it has no be. It doesn't mean a hill of beans whether I get paid or not or I don't get any more money. So I'm not even just talking about money, but I'm talking about giving of yourself. I'm talking about giving uh, not only your finances but of your time and your worship and, and your input to people. When is the last time? I'm just going to ask you, be honest. You don't have to stand up. When is the last time you came to church and walked up to a sister or a brother and said, you know what? I believe in you. I, I, I love you. I'm thankful for you. Thank you for worshiping God. Thank you for coming. 
You may not have anything to give an offering plate, but when is the last time you came with the mentality? I I just want I don't have any money, but I, I have a praise. And I just want to thank the Lord because he woke me up this morning. When's the last time you come to church? I know you may have a bad day. And I've had a loss in this past year. But I tried my best to come to church and say, you know what? My family, my, the rest of my family's healthy. My father's healthy. I, I got a good church to go to. I got a decent car to drive. I got a decent house to live in. I'm just thankful. I just want to give my praise to Jesus. Because I could easily gripe. I mean, we all got something to gripe about. You know how I know? Because I can see it sometimes. I'm sure you can see it on me sometimes. We all got something we can gripe about. But hear me, the good always outweighs the bad. We've got more blessings than we've all, when we've ever had curses. Tonight, I'm telling you that God has blessed us and we need to start counting our blessings and we need to start giving back to him. You know why people don't give? You know why people don't give to the church? Because people don't invest in the church. That's one reason people, because when you invest in something, you love something. Again, I'm not just talking about money. But people, the people that are, are willing to come in and worship God and give their all are the same people that spent their sleepless nights praying for the church. And people, hear me, people will give to what they love. I, I see it all the time. I, I, I see people. I, I, I can't give. I can't give. I, I don't have this. But they've got eight hundred dollar iPhones, and they'll spend eighty dollars at Texas Roadhouse. I knew it's going to be uncomfortable here tonight. I'm just obeying the Lord. I, I, I see. I, I, I've known people. That, my goodness, they'll, they'll invest. They'll go out and they'll, they'll spend, they'll spend a hundred dollars on a pair of jeans, but they'll give a dollar in the offering plate. They, they won't think none of it to go out and eat a, a big steak and spend a hundred dollars, hundred fifty dollars at, at a big steakhouse and just give a little bit to God. I see people, those people go, go out and spend eight hours, eight hours in a deer stand. And come to church and pray for three minutes. I see people, well, people will sit down and watch basketball or football game all day long on a Saturday. But they can't spend 30 minutes in prayer or listening to a preacher. And the reason is, is because people give to what they invest in and people will give to what they love in. It's human nature to invest into what they, what has meaning to them. I remember growing up, I had friends that had these real nice cars. 
And they just take their trucks and their cars and they would go out in the fields and do donuts and, and just tear the time out of their car. And uh, I remember I worked really hard for that old Dodge truck. I worked, man, it was a 1973 Dodge truck. Actually, it was a Forge. It was a Dodge truck and it had a, Do- a Ford, Ford bed on it. When Dad bought the truck, it didn't have a bed on it. And we went somewhere to the junkyard or something and got a bed to put on it. It, it was, and it was a Ford. I don't know how in the world they got that Ford bed on that Dodge pickup truck. And dad went out with a sandpaper and it was old blue and gray. Uh, got it from my uncle and he brought it home and we, we sanded it and spray painted it with Walmart spray paint and it was red. And in the sun, it was so, such cheap paint that it was so dull and in the sun just Faded it out, and it almost looked orangish. It was horrible. But I bought that truck, cause, and I worked for that truck, and I loved that truck. And I remember cleaning that out, and there was like little bitty holes in the floorboard where the exhaust would get through. But nobody was smoking in that truck. And I didn't want you putting your drink down in that truck. And don't you dare throw your wrappers down in my truck. And it was because I invested in that truck. And I had buddies that had brand new cars, Camaros. They'd go out and thrash them. It was because their moms and dads bought their trucks and cars, and they didn't work for it. They didn't invest for it. And simply because they didn't invest in their car, somebody else did, they'd thrash it. But the ones that invested, I I worked my fingers to the bone working for that old junk truck. And it wasn't junk. I loved that. I loved it. I wish I had it. It's like my old blue car, that old blue LeSabre. I loved that car. That thing was a hunk of junk, and I loved it. And gave it to my son, and he had it. I, I, I had it for 12 years, and I put over 100,000 miles on it, and he had it for two weeks and wrecked it. You know why? Because he didn't pay for it. But people... People will invest in what they love, in what, and they love in what they invest in. And I'll tell you what, you know how to fall in love with the church? Start, in, start putting your blood, sweat, and tears in it. Because once you start putting yourself in it, it's not just a church. It's a place where you have a part in it and that you love. And so, you know what, and not just the walls and not just the paint on the walls, but the people in the church. When you start giving advice and start saying, you know what, I'm going to be there for you and pray for you. And you start uh, carrying each one another's burdens before long. Their burdens become your burdens. But guess what? When you've got a burden, somebody's going to help you carry your burden. It's like the woman that, w- that had the lost coin. The woman that had the lost coin, that was actually, you really study it and look at that when Jesus talked about that in Luke. He talked about the lost son, the lost sheep, and the lost coin. The lost coin was her worth. She lost her worth. And it wasn't until Master told her to go find, go sweep her house. Go sweep your house, he said. And you'll find your worth. She'd cluttered her life up. 
like those hoarders that you see on TV. That she just cluttered her house up and she had lost her coin. She had lost her worth. And so he told her to clean it up. And there's the one, one passage in there. I didn't plan to say this, but it sets, it's, it's an order right here. There's one passage in there. That when she found her coin, the Bible says that her family and friends rejoiced when she found her coin. I want to know where her friends were when she lost it. I'll tell you where her friends were. They were nowhere to be found. They didn't care. Because there was no investment. It wasn't their coin. Jesus was teaching a principle, not just about a coin, but about somebody else's burdens. And that could, that could apply to anybody else. It could apply, apply to the, the prodigal son. When somebody's prodigal son comes home, it's great to stand up here and rejoice when they walk through the door. But how much time and prayer do we spend when somebody else's son or daughter walks out of the church doors and they're the ones up praying, but they're not your son, they're not my son, they're not my daughter, but they're out, out, out in, uh, in the world lost. And, and we're, we're not losing any sleep over it. But if we can rejoice... When that coin or son comes home, we should be able to get in an altar and pray and lose some sleep over somebody's lost son. So there's got to be an investment and there's got to be a time of giving. Because when you don't give, you're disconnected. You don't care. You don't have anything invested. Just know this, that when Jesus invested you, you know, I was talking about this the other day. Jesus, he never bought anything. He didn't own anything. He borrowed a womb. You ever think about that? He borrowed a womb to a woman that knew no man. Didn't have a place to lay his head. He borrowed a donkey. He was living in a house that wasn't his. The only thing that he ever bought, the only time anything or any, any account where Jesus ever bought anything or invested anything was you. You and I were his only investment. And so when this whole world falls to the ground, the only thing that he's going to care about is what he invested in and what he gave to. And you and I is what he gave to. He invested in us. And all he expects us to do is give back. And so it is a is a give and take process. It's not that Jesus just gives and he expects us not to give or do anything, but he expects us to give back to him. And he gave us the law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. That is the greatest law in the world. And it could be the greatest blessing and it also could be the greatest curse. Are you ready for this? Because what you get, what you get in life, I know you'll go through trials and tribulations, but ultimately when it comes down to what you, what your harvest is, simply tells a a great story about what you planted. So, if people treat you bad all the time, 
It's probably not because you're the ugly duckling or the one that got, you know, the, you know, always picked last. Chances are it's simply because maybe you don't treat. Maybe you give harsh comments. If you're always getting harsh comments, maybe it's you. So the law of the harvest can be a blessing or a curse. You can be a, a knucklehead or you can be a blessing. You can, you can sow strife, you can give strife, or you can give blessings. So let me ask you a question. What, do you, what kind of harvest do you want? Because what you give will determine what kind of harvest you will get. Now, I know, I understand that we're, every single one of us are going to go through, through things. Matter of fact, Job... Every, everything bad that happened to Job had nothing to do with what he did wrong. Whatever happened to Job was simply, was simply that he done everything right. Some things, and I'm not talking about those trials. Some, we're going to go through trials. We're going to go through tribulations. But we're ta- I'm talking about a harvest. If you want to reap a harvest, a great harvest, you've got to give. And there's, there's, what is it, the golden rule that we often forget. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You want people to treat you good? You treat them good. You want people to talk good about you? You talk good about people. It's not a popular message. Thank you, Brother Davis. So, when you, when you give... You, you will get back. Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Uh, I'm, I'm running out of time. It says, lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven neither, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, when you invest in temporary things, when you invest in temporary things, those things will fade away. There's nothing wrong with wanting to give and invest in, 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 in stocks and bonds and, and, and savings accounts and, and CDs and, and life insurance policies and 401ks, those things are good. And you, you, we, we all, if we want a, a decent life after retirement, then you've got to do those things. But you know what? In just a few moments, those things can, can be washed and taken away from you. I have family that were extremely wealthy. 9-11 happened after 9-11 happened. And then that crash, they lost Hundreds and hundreds, probably millions of dollars gone. And you could spend a lifetime investing in those things, and those things are good. But this, what the Scripture is talking about is, is priority. There's nothing wrong with wanting your kids to have good jobs, good education. That's a good thing. You don't want them to live off of the government for the rest of their life. 
But you, you want your kids to have a better life than you. I'm telling you, I, I believe that. 100% believe that. But if you value your children to slide into first base or home plate more than you'd want to see them slide into an altar, you've got your priorities wrong. Our world's full of people. Matter of fact, you can go to Bloomington and see those university students, people, people that, that was graduated with the, the best degrees. They have 12 and 16 years of degrees that are, some of them are working at fast food restaurants that they have nowhere to use their degree. There's probably people in here that have degrees and things that you probably will never use. Because technology changes and, and things change in this world. So my point is this, that if you put all yourself into things that are temporal, by the time you're, you, you expect to get a harvest, you're going to be solely, sorely disappointed. But we should, we, our priority should be that we, we store up treasures in heaven. So everything that you do for God cannot die. Hear me, if men promote you, men can demote you. But if God promotes you, nobody and no devil in hell can take it away from you. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for a heritage. I'm thankful. Choice. I, I, I wanted to, uh, I, I, I had dreams as, as a kid to be, to be a musician, to, to do something great. And I possibly could have done those things. Matter of fact, I was I, when I turned 18 years old, I had I had put a, a thing together and I sent it off to L.A. School of Music, which is really hard to get to get in. And I, I'll never forget the letter that came in. The let I, I, I wish I'd have kept it. I don't know what I would have done with it. it wasn't any good enough, but just good enough to start a fire with. But it said you have been. Accepting to L.A. School of Music, which I was the only one. There was a handful of kids in our school that put in for that, and I was the only one in our school. And that I, I, was a, a gift, a gifting of mine. I was excited about it, and I thought, I'm going to do something. I'm going to play for this. I was, you know, dreaming as a kid. And I remember, I'm so glad. There's an old song. There's, it's a country song. Merle Haggard sang it. Mama prayed that my crops would fail. And I'm thankful that all that fell through for me. I'm I'm thankful. Because I look back and I know where my life would have been if I would have chose that. I would have been, I I just know exactly where I'd have been. I'd been lost without God and every bit of money, house, fame, or fortune that I would have gotten. What would would have gotten me? And the, the, it is proof by the end of the life of Solomon. Solomon had, had the best of everything. The most, the, the wealthiest man that ever lived. He was so lucky. He had, he had 350 wives and 700 girlfriends. He was an idiot. How can you be that wise? How can you be that wise and do that? Anyway, he had it all. He had everything. 
And by the, at, at the end of his life, he, he counted it all done. Everything, it, it, was, it was nothing in compared to what he had stored, uh, laid up in, in, in the heaven, into what he gave, what he had invested in the kingdom of God. And the greatest accomplishment that Solomon ever did in his life, it wasn't the kingdom that he built. It wasn't the castle that he built back then. Matter of fact, the castle that he built, historians say that Solomon had an air conditioner. Imagine that, Larry. He had an air conditioner. It was strategically built, put. There was a stream that came through, had cold water running out. And it was strategically put where the, uh, the, the opening of his house, the wind would blow and hit that water that would come off that waterfall and blow through his house and cool his house down. While everybody else in the kingdom was roasting, Solomon had central air conditioner. Think about that. Back then, he had everything in, in, his, in his life given to him. And the only thing that, that counted, that he counted anything in his life that he had done, he ever acknowledged, the only thing that he did was he, he was excited and glad about the, building the church and investing in the church. That was it. Is this my time? Is this my cue? You saying that I'm done? All you kids? Does anybody have a belt? I'm talking about you reaping what you sow and giving. And I'm going to come to an end because I'm going to finish this. I'm going to see where I'm at here. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to finish this up. There was an old, uh, let's see. All right, I know where I'm at. Okay. There was an old Chinese proverb, and I, I wish I'd have wrote it down. But it was, it was uh, given accolades to the man that could, that could uh, plant an oak tree. And it, the story was, the guy that planted the oak tree was, would never, ever uh, have any benefits of that oak tree. Anybody got any oak trees in their yard? It's amazing trees, aren't they? Amazing shade trees. And the, the old ancient proverb talked about the man, blessed is the man that has the fortitude or the vision to plant an oak tree. Think about it. The man that builds, uh, plants an oak tree, he'll never benefit from any of it. So he has to be a, a vision caster or somebody that, that cares about somebody else more than he does himself. Because what's it going to profit him to plant an oak tree if he never sees the shade of that oak tree? Because chances are when he dies, that tree won't be any taller than four or five, four or five foot tall. Because it takes years and years and decades and decades for an oak tree to mature. But people that are near God's heart will have the ability to give even when it doesn't seem to benefit them. And I want to read to you real quick ten reasons why it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
Number one, giving obeys God's command. The Old Testament was way more uh, commands about financial giving, who, when, and how much. In, and, and then in the New Testament, maybe the New Testament writers just assumed that as God had given far more to us in the New Testament, giving himself in, to death, that our giving should follow fairly logically and more easily. So giving obeys, number one, obeys God's command. Number two, giving submits to God's lordship. Because when you give, it requires some trusting. Because let's face it, when you give, a lot of times there is a sacrifice there. And when you give, what you're, what you're doing is you're uh, putting yourself under the umbrella and the authority of God and saying, Lord, I trust you. I don't have it. I don't feel like it. It's not convenient, but I'm going to give. Giving submits to God's lordship. Giving exhibits. This is the number one one to me. God, giving exhibits God's heart. God came. Jesus came. And he gave. Everything about what we believe in hinges and is based off of God giving and us giving back to him because he is our husband and we are his bride and a marriage is not any good if it's one-sided and if the husband gave everything to the church and the church ne- and the bride never gave back to to its maker to its husband then it would be lopsided giving exhibits God's heart giving illustrates God's salvation how many of you ever got salvation when you didn't deserve it? How many of you ever gotten forgiveness when you didn't deserve it? Every hand should have went up. None of you deserved his forgiveness. I think it'd be a good time for me to tell you that there are times where it's not convenient for you to give others. But since Jesus gave you forgiveness, then it's, it's right to forgive others. If Jesus came and he gave us forgiveness when he died for us when we were yet sinners, it's always right to forgive others. Giving trust God's provision. I can give today when I know good and well that I'm going to need tomorrow. But if I trust him for his provision, then then I'm doing the right thing. Giving widens God's smile. More blessed to give than to receive. He also blesses a cheerful giver. It uh and this I'm getting into maybe next week. Uh, God loves a cheerful giver. And you can give. But you can give for the wrong reason and not inherit a blessing. Because there were people that gave in worship at the wall that they were praying. They were praying out loud. Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray like that. When you give me accolades, don't give me praise like that. Because if you praise me like that. That is your reward. Their reward was that they looked good. But the people that earnestly gave Jesus praise from their heart got eternal rewards. Giving advances God's kingdom. Without giving, we we wouldn't advance God's kingdom. When we give to the church, we keep the lights on. We keep the air on. We keep people coming to church. Every offering, and I'm going to thank, I, I want to tell you, I'm thankful for everything that you, this church has given. You're a giving church, and I'm very thankful. Thank you very much, as much as you give. Eight, giving promotes God's sanctification. Nine, giving testifies to God's power. I've seen many, time, many times in our life when we give, 
uh, God never did let us go hungry. Always gave us provision. I've seen mom and dad give everything they've got, they had gotten, and God blessed them. I could stand here all day and tell you things, and maybe next week we'll talk about some of those things. And number ten, giving praises God's character. Giving praises God's character. God's character is what? He is a giving God. He is a loving God. And what better way to reflect the reflection of Jesus when we, we give back to Him? And speaking of giving, as you stand, speaking of giving, I had a couple of weeks ago, I had talked about giving uh, to brother um, to brother uh, Mark Winters. Mark Winters is getting ready to go preach in a third world country. Uh, I think it's in Africa. And uh, I talked to him. I told him that the church I felt led to give him an offering. I, I actually, I just tell you, I gave, I told him I wanted to give give him an offering of five hundred dollars. Had some people give in 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 a uh, in the offering, enabled it. To Brother Winters, if you feel led to give to Brother Winters, if it's three dollars, if that's all you can give, if that's all you can afford, then God's going to bless you for it. If you can give twenty dollars to it, you give twenty dollars for it. But I promise you, God will bless you. And batteries seems to be going out. So, and I believe that there's going to be people come to come to Jesus. In salvation when he goes and preaches in Africa. So if you feel led to give to that, I'm going to ask you to, uh, you can do that tonight or Sunday morning, and I'll remind you Sunday morning and Sunday night. Bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for giving to the kingdom of God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Turn around and shake somebody's hand and give them a good word in Jesus' name. Amen.